Hello, everyone. Welcome. My name is Paul Masters, and this is the Growth to Greatness podcast. I am the host, and I have here with me Rob Gallo. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Love having you here, man. Welcome. I appreciate it. We finally um, made it happen, right? Yes, yes. Yes, it's been it's been a long time coming. Yes, you are a breath of fresh air to West Palm Beach. Oh, come on, man, stop it. I'm already blushing. Come <laughs> on. Uh, you know, it's funny how we met. Yeah. Uh, we met so randomly, and uh, it was... A this, cold email by you. It was a cold email. Cold outreach all day. It um, The cold email, you came through to the first event ever. Yep. yep. Where there was like seven people here. Yes. <laughs> and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, we kind of hit it off, and 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 now here we are, uh, and I get a chance to really learn about you and your journey and everything that you've you've done. I mean, what an incredible, crazy career, sure. right? Yeah. Worth 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 the book you're writing, right? Yes. Just note the book's coming, yep. right? It is coming on, on the crazy life. Well, yeah. so why don't we kick things off and just start me off for everybody that doesn't know who you are, as you know intimately as I do now since we've been talking yeah at least on on your career path and 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 journey as an entrepreneur just a little bit of a backstory on Rob right what was okay. that just a quick what was that you know that that beginning er, era for you tell us a little bit about that okay I'm not gonna go back too far not but too I far, will but... give you the quick note on 12 years old I used to work at a card store in Comac, New York. Yeah. And the guy would sell me a box of, well, he'd give it to me on consignment, a box of bubble yum. Yeah. And I'd go to school and I'd sell it for a dollar a pack and there was 25 packs in there. So I'd make 25 bucks and yeah. have to give him five. I'm yeah. like, this is good. This is, this is a this good. Is, that's how yeah. it started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how it started. So um, as we were talking about before we started rolling, I've never really had a, a, a real job. I worked at a Texaco gas station when I was 17, but... Anyway, I've been at the right place at the right time. I'm going to fast forward to the good part. So in 1997, yeah. I launched an online casino in Antigua. 97. Moved my family down to Antigua, and uh, it was called Omni Casino. And I ran the business up until 2010, sold it, quasi-retired, yeah. and then kind of backed into consulting. Mm -hmm. And I still consult in the gaming space for casinos as well as operators that mm -hmm. are looking to get into the space uh, software, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I get approached probably two or three times uh, a week right. from people about, hey, I've got this greatest thing. You know, you got to check this out. They want me to kind of consult for them. I pass on most of them. Yeah. But the ones that are interesting to me, I usually go full bore. Yeah. Right. I, I charge them a reduced rate and then I would take a percentage of the back end to help them grow their business. Yes, yes, yes. So we talked about the affiliate business, let's say. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, thinking back to the the time and the moment, because I think the, the growth to greatness, I think everybody has their own path to, to greatness and their own growth path, right? Yeah. So one, everybody has that pivotal point when they get through, and we talked a little bit about this also off camera, right where they pass that threshold of what they used to believe and what they believe now. And that little activation happens, that little entrepreneurial bug, that little, oh, I can actually manage my own destiny now with, the, you know, tell me about that moment. Cause you said you had not a lot of jobs, right? but there was a job at one point and then that job ended with that point for you. Right. So even prior to that, okay. I didn't mention this before, okay. uh, Brian Tracy. Yeah. Brian Tracy wrote The Psychology of Achievement. Mm -hmm. 
I was living in Comac at the time, and I was actually landscaping for a buddy of mine. And I was listening to these audio tapes. I forget how I got them, but it was life-changing for me. Mm -hmm. It told me how to set goals, how to achieve these goals, right? The psychology of achievement. Mm -hmm. And it put me in a different mindset. And I wrote my goals down on a piece of paper. I still have them. And this was in 1984 or 85. And I just got gotta out of high school. That. Gotta do that. Gotta write, write them stuff down. down. Exactly. Telling it has people. to be a definitive timeline. Gotta do it. Right? Well, this As is the when think you're and grow achieve. rich too piece, yes. right? That's kind of where it all, yeah, right, yeah. right. So I wrote down that I wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 30, live in a Caribbean island, and have all my friends with me. And when you wrote that, how old were you? I was 18 or 19 years okay, old. Okay, that's good. Yeah. A nice nice decade yeah. to, do, to get it done. Yeah. Good, okay. So I hit two out of the three. Mm -hmm. um, my friends never moved to the Caribbean, but we moved down there in 97. Yeah. Uh, nice. So... Uh, preface that with the transition and the pivot that I made was working for this other company. It was a handicapping company. That's all right. We're good. It was a handicapping company. Yeah. And um, I, I had written a quarter of a million dollars in business just on straight commission sales. Mm. And the guy gave me a hundred dollar Christmas bonus. Yes. You told me about this. And yes. Yes. Right, like, ah. right. Right. So me and a couple of other guys left, started our own thing. And that led me to meet the guy who started the online gaming thing we mm. were on vacation together in the caribbean and someone came to him and said we need you to get us our online casino license he had the master license at the time mm -hmm. i said yeah that's a that's a great idea you should open your own he goes okay and you can run it yes yes I'm yes like, all right whatever I, was, I didn't know the whole percentage of blackjack video poker i still figure out how hard it could be right right so we went up to uh i went up to canada met with yeah. the guys that operate the business and i said we wanted to look like this 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 was in june of 97. we launched november of 97. omni casino was the name of the company still in existence today one of the oldest online casinos mm. but there's a story there too is that i'll tap on but so anyway launched the business and it just took off it was like a huge success but about three four months into the business i asked our customers what was the most important thing that they look for in an online casino? Mm -hmm. And they said, trust and security. So okay. what we did, and we talked about this before, yeah. positioning ourselves yes. as the most trusted and secure brand on the internet. Yes. This is 1998, before, I mean, people were dialing up on a 14.4 baud rate modem. You don't even know what that is. but I know, I, yeah, I kind of, uh, you know. <laughs> it's old school. 56K was, was yeah. what I grew up with. So yeah. the, the long and short of it is that we asked the people and they said trust and security so i hired a guy to create a brand logo the logo for omni casino and it looked like the top of a bank mm -hmm. right it looked like a trusted secure thing and we called ourselves the most trusted and secure online casino on us on the site we asked probably eight months later why do people choose omni casino and they said because it's the most trusted secure. so you, you just know, kind secure. of told them what you were exactly. i mean were you were you not who knows, but you might, maybe that was what you put forth to, to achieve, Yes. right? And once you put that into kind of existence, people will resonate with that. Correct. But I just want to point out a really interesting thing you said about asking your customers. I think that a lot of people watching this, whether you're an entrepreneur that already has many, many customers, a business owner, whatever, or you're just starting out, leveraging your customers happens less and less often yes as you move forward in business and you did it early some people have been in business forever and they're like how do i get better yeah 
And what's the answer, right? Ask your customers. And yes. if not, ask your prospects. And if not, ask your friends. But ask somebody because I find that people will always be quick to point out what's important to them and what's wrong. But then you got to turn them off after they give you their reasons and things to solve it because you got to figure that out on your own. Yeah. But I think you can use people in that way to help you identify what's valuable or what needs to be changed. And, and that's, a, that's a really... That's a really important uh, part of it. Now, just just kind of taking a step back because there's so many interesting things that you just mentioned as far as your journey. Going back to when you got that hundred dollar, and I know I'm taking it way back. Yeah. So you got that hundred dollar uh, Christmas, Chris, Christmas bonus, right? And what were you feeling at that time? So what are those feelings that a lot of people are feeling? Underappreciated. Yeah. What, were, what, what else was going on through your mind? Because you just read this psychology book. Yep. So you became aware, uh, more aware of a lot of things that people are kind of not aware of. Yeah. And so something activated within you. Can you talk a little bit deeper about that moment and how that fueled you if it did? And just take me through that thought process. Yeah. So the way it really went down was the guy who originally started the business yeah. passed away. Okay. And the guy who took over the business was just the money guy. Ah. He didn't really understand business. And we talked about this too. Yeah. People that don't understand the business that they're in. Yeah. Really the people business. Right? He's got guys that are writing half a million, quarter of a million dollars for him every year in business. Mm -hmm. And I mean, don't get me wrong. We were probably, I was making like 35, 40% commission. So I was making, I was crushing it. Sure. As a 19 year old. Sure. But at the same time, it just felt a little disrespectful that, you know, this guy's driving around his Rolls Royce, literally back in the right, day. Right. And a hundred dollar Christmas bonus. And it was it was kinda like so the previous year, I think I wrote like a hundred and eighty thousand dollars in business and I got a fifteen hundred dollar bonus. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, eighteen years old, that's that's good. That's great. Nice. And yeah. by the way, just for people who don't know, you're talking about when you're talking about writing business, you're closing deals, Correct. making sales. Correct. Yes. Just just to be clear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh that prompted several of us to leave and go out on our own figuring we don't need this guy we could take 100 percent ourselves so we started running ads and we built our own office and we had guys that were actually working for us and uh you know that was the impetus of kind of taking the bull by the horn sure yeah. so you but but that that part of it because you have you have founders and entrepreneurs that are at the precipice of investing a ton of money into ads let's say or marketing they, or they're they're starting things off, or they're looking to grow, or they're looking to invest in something, and they're they're at this point where they're still in the corporate sort of mechanism, that machine. Mm -hmm. And you you say uh, we went off and we just did it. You know, I, I hear a lot where you'll you'll whatever it is that you accept and that you're, it's it's like. Once enough is enough, you start to make the change. Mm -hmm. And so was that really the trigger for you that, you know, it's enough is enough and now I'm going down this path, hell or high water, and I'm going to risk it all? Because you, you were going through a lot of things there. You know, I just, I just want to surface the, the difficulty of that. It, it seems like a simple decision for you, but I think it's difficult, maybe unnecessarily, for many others to go, I'm done. It's enough. I've got to go down this growth path. True, but yeah. here's the difference, really. Uh, if you think about someone who is aspiring to be an entrepreneur, yeah, maybe they already have a corporate job. Right. They have a comfort level there. 
Right. And for them to pivot or to do something completely different. Yeah. That's a scary thought. Absolutely. I was doing what I was already doing, just cutting out the middleman of him placing ads on ESPN and in newspapers to generate the leads that we mm, needed. Okay. So it seemed simple enough. So you, you were better aligned with, because you just went off and did the thing you were already doing, but just had the ability or the desire to just do it on your own. Right. So I guess that's really the interesting part is if you are looking to get into that business for yourself, whatever it is that they might be doing, then you want to align your job with that as fast as humanly possible because yeah. that's how you're going to be able to take that step out, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what you were able to do. Okay, interesting. So, okay, so continue now down this path. So you started this thing. What was going on there when you first kicked this off? I mean, did it grow quickly? Were there challenges? Were you crazy nervous about all this stuff working out. I mean, it, you make it sound like it was just a one, two, three, but I know it's not. And so I want to slow it down a little bit to, to really get in on what the heck was happening in those early stages when you first spun up this first business. Yeah. So here's the difference. And, and I, I'm going to fast forward to a book called The E-Myth Revisited. Oh, yeah. Michael Gerber, yes, yes. Right? Great and book. he talks about an entrepreneurial seizure. Uh -huh. And that is, I am a plumber. Right. And I get paid X dollars an hour, $35 an hour to go out and do plumbing work. Yeah. And I bill someone $250. And I'm thinking, all right, this clown is making all this extra money, right? He's making the other $165, mm -hmm. whatever it is. I could do this. Yeah. I don't need But he doesn't realize what it takes to run a business, right? The advertising, the marketing, the answering the phones and, and doing everything behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So Michael Gerber calls it the entrepreneurial seizure. So I, I, this is bef way before I read this book. Yeah. But the point is, is that in my case, it was slightly different because the business was all written by me and my partner, et cetera. So it was a little different where the back end business wasn't as difficult as it would be to run a, a I think, a plumbing business. Right, right. right? A mom and pop business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so we just, we had a blast doing it. I yeah, mean, it was yeah, like, yeah, if, yeah. if you saw the, the movie, um, what was the name of it? Uh, Boiler Room. Yeah, it was, was similar to that. Say, we but... would just call people up and, and tell them, this is what you need to pay us for. Yeah. And that was it. Sales, know? man. Sales. It, it it's sales. how it started. And funny enough, you, you know, you're a marketing expert today, um, having believed in marketing and advertising as, and I believe that as well, as it's really the bridge to, to building your brand and how you activate your brand. Absolutely. Um, but that sales experience that you had, how did that then help you move through and, and progress and develop? Take me through Perfect all that. Perfect question, yeah. yes. So that gave me the, the, the psychology of, let's say in the gambling world, mm -hmm. right? The psychology of a gambler. Mm -hmm. What does he need to hear in order to interact with me? Mm -hmm. And I can get him through some sort of ad either on TV or in the magazines or on the radio. We were doing a whole bunch of different ads. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it gives you that mindset of saying, if I was on the other end of the phone or the ad that I'm reading, yeah. what do I, what's going to convince me right. to call this guy? Mm -hmm. Who is this guy? Mm -hmm. right? So I position myself as an expert in the space. Yes. And I still do that today in the, in the loyalty space, as we mentioned. I yes. have a, a loyalty podcast that yes. I do. Yes, that's right. Right. So what I did when I when I first started with that was exactly that. I would think, what do I need to hear to convince me? And then I would just reframe it to be about the customer. Yes. 
right? You always need to speak on the terms yeah, it's of not what about the, you. It's about them. Exactly. Right, right. So sales is the precipice. It is how you understand marketing. So it's really difficult to market without really understanding the sale and the sales process. And by doing that, that naturally led you into being able to market effectively moving forward. Yes. Okay. So then now you started this business, you started right now, you made some money there. Let's take the next step. So how did that evolve? What, what happened after your first business? What was going on and how did you pivot into the, the next venture? that you ended up exiting from. So again, I, I was in the same space. I was actually on vacation in 94, went down to St. Martin and I was at um, a casino, I can't think of the name of it, Tropicana Casino or whatever. Mm. And, and I saw a sign on the kiosk, it said wager up to 250,000 on the Super Bowl. And I think, holy shit. So I walked in and I introduced myself and I right. said, uh, he, he just started it, this is when online betting was just on the phone this is before the internet in 94 really. uh -huh. and i said i could set you up with customers and he said okay so we became friends and uh he would give me a percentage of whatever they lost i think the statute of limitations ran out on this so i can say <laughs> yeah. this openly now yeah yeah but uh we did a million dollars in business on a handshake wow and became that's friends strong. and uh and that's when uh two years later we were on vacation in st kitts and uh maybe three years and he came. To, they came down with him with to, the prospectus on opening their online casino. Yes. And he said, "I said that's a great idea." He said, "You know, I said you should open your own." He goes, "Okay, and you could run and it. You could run it." Now yeah. we're we're here now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then you now embark on this journey of running it. So you were absolutely like ready to go for that, right? Yeah. You, oh yeah. Okay. So tell me about that and how that all played out. So. I told my wife we're moving to Antigua. She says, where's that? I said, don't worry, just get on the plane. I got two little kids at the time, a three-year-old oh, yeah. and a five-year-old. This is the importance of having someone in your life that supports whatever. This is the entrepreneur. Yes. Without the right partner going, yeah, I'll move to Antigua. I'll do whatever it yep. takes. It's not going to work, or at least it's way more challenging. Oh, so my wife we take it best. for granted, but it's it's – it's pivotal. Yes. So yeah, I'll pivotal is correct. Yeah. We just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary Congrats. two days ago. Amazing. Thank yes. You. Yeah. That's right. Um, she turned 21 two days before we got married. Oh. So I mean, I robbed the cradle for sure. Yes. Uh, so anyway, we get on the plane. We go down there, and uh, we just set it up and uh, got the kids in school. Yeah. Uh, set up a bank account and uh, you know did everything above board. So what what we did different though was. I found an attorney in Washington, D.C. who was a gambling attorney, ga mm -hmm. gaming and gambling. And he was of the position that the Wire Act in 1961, that was written in 61, did not make room for uh, casino games because they couldn't contemplate people playing casino games over a phone line. So it was mm -hmm. only for sports betting. So we never did sports betting. We only did casino and poker. And finally, in 2011, the D Department of Justice just changed their position on it to say, yeah, that it wasn't illegal. Ah, okay. So, but I paid all my tax on all the money that I made and repatriated back to the to the states, and sure. it was a it was a great run. We ran it up until so it was October 1st, 2006, um, sitting on the beach, Half Moon Bay, which yes. was one of my happy places. And I get a phone call from the woman at Cryptologic, which is the company we were licensing the software from. Yes. She says, as of Tuesday noon, we no longer take U.S. bets. And I'm like, holy shit. And that's shit. all your business yeah, out the door. 85% yeah, just evaporated right. overnight. Right. 
So we did a paradigm shift. We downsized from 40 employees down to 14, moved to smaller digs in, in a different part of the town, and uh, focused on the European market, which was our best market in poker. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, did a pivot. Yeah. And we came up with a promotion, gave away, we had a lot of money in the coffers. We were making tons of money. Sure. And we came up with a promotion called uh, One Sick Promo. Yes. And we gave away $1.5 million, uh, $1.25 million. Um, it was a $10,000 seat to the World Series of Poker, plus $2,500 in cash. Sure. Uh, That's and wild. It was crazy. Yeah. So put us on the map. The understanding of the marketing draw and building a brand, let's, let's dig into some of that and how when you started your business and it was on the growth path, what were some of the really important factors or learning lessons that you had as you were developing that business for yourself from month one, because that business was completely, there was nothing there. Yeah. You spun it up from, from nothing. Yeah. So talk to me about that. Cause I think again, everything associated with growth into the greatness of the business, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So what, what I learned early on and I forget exactly where I heard it, but it's six times more cost effective to engage an existing customer than it is to go out and get a new one. Okay. Right? Yeah. So at the time, when we licensed the software from a company in Canada, Cryptologic, they didn't have a back end. There was no such thing as a CRM right. in 1998. Mm -hmm. So wow. Pre-CRM. Pre-CRM. The crazy part is a lot of people don't have a CRM now, and they're everywhere. So I know. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I used to get three flat files a day. Right, CSV files. One was a registration, said first name, last name, city, state, zip. Oh, my God. Next one was what the gaming activity was from the previous day, but it would only have the account number that I'd have to match to the first one. And the last one was all the jackpots, right, mm. if there was any jackpot things. So I'm thinking, how am I going to make sense of this? Now, I'm on Windows 3.1. I remember. I wrote a macro, and I'm not a programmer by any stretch. I write a macro that copies from one, grabs this other one, and sticks it in this new file, and at the time when I had maybe a thousand customers, it would take an hour and a half, two hours to run. Right. Two months in, I've got fifteen thousand customers, and it's just it's a shit show. It's like yeah, create. It's taking yeah. four hours to run this program. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I need to get help. So I reached out to a guy on the island who was in the space of techs, like tech service, I guess. Yeah. And he wrote a program. Tech service, yeah. yeah. He wrote a program in uh, SQL. In SQL, I was going to say yeah. Visual Basic. But yeah. That's, yeah okay. And uh, I would go to his office every Tuesday, and he would build a, a MVP first and then kind of show it to me on Friday, and here's what it'll do. He started to learn what I was looking for, and then he kind of color-coded each individual panel that would say, if someone lost yesterday, I could see it immediately. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was super helpful. Mm -hmm. So I said, dude, you got to come work for me. He goes, mm. nah, I got my own business. And this is how I started building my business because literally it was just me. Mm -hmm. uh, I had one girl that was helping me with customer service. But anyway, uh, I said, you got to come work for me. And he's got a picture of a BMW Z3 on his, winds and his Windows screensaver. I said, do you like that car? He goes, that's my dream car. I said, you come work for me. I'll buy you that car. Ah, nice. I'm making 100 grand a month already. Yeah, nice. So he goes, are you serious? I said, as a heart attack, dude. So he said, okay. He finally said, okay. And he came work for me full time. I bought him the car, shipped it down, and the kind of guy he is, he paid me back for the car. He's not like, hey, yeah, right. Of I, course, I feel bad. Amazing, amazing. I ended up giving him ten percent of the company when all was said and done. Yeah. So when we had the exit, he was able to, uh, you know, 
to gain from that, which was I thought was cool. And when did you exit? That? 2010. 2010. Yeah. And how long did that company run? From? It, I had it for 13 years. Okay. And it's still in existence today. Was that okay? So that's post you building the company for the gentleman that was your friend, right? That was a separate. Yeah, he was. No, well, that, that was the same company. Oh, it's the he same was company. the money. He was the money. He was just. It. He was the investor. He Correct. came in. So he kicked that off, and you grew that, and then you brought him in to help on the tech back end to, to really allow you to scale, which right. was, which is an interesting pivotal point for you too, because without scaling that piece, you wouldn't have gone to where you were. No way. So let's talk a little bit about customer acquisition. Let's talk about affiliate. Let's start to dig into that a, a little bit because you've had this 13 year run. The business is still in existence. You've exited. So you've had this what we call the entrepreneur dream, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You got into something, you got an investor, you you know, who believed in you because you were you've proved to him that you were able to sell. Correct. You understood the business, yep. right? Just those basic pieces. And again, right place, right time, right? Not everybody can sure. go, how the hell do I get myself an investor in this and that? Because without that, how do you spin that up? But right. you had to make your own sacrifices, right? You had to move, you had to, you know, start over from a place, right? Yep. So as you were building this up, even before you got the tech backend scale stuff, what were you thinking from a marketing perspective? How were you planning? Take me through the plan of growing that business and what you deployed to build the brand. Yeah. So, again, it was a way different time back in 98. Right. Right. I mean, uh, I was on Lycos and LookSmart and doing um, – advertising on ask jeeves right i remember <laughs> so those they, were know. different times but t t then then let's shift a little bit more around like the psychology of it anything that you learned back then that is really important today but in its own way is there anything that you can draw from then that you still talk to people about or people you consult with about? yeah so knowing your numbers is hugely important a lot of people believe it or not uh, don't know their numbers. Okay, talk to me about the numbers. What numbers, uh, you mean just the lead? The, the what does it cost to acquire a customer? The cat. What's right. the lifetime mm. value? That's mm. it. That's mm. what you, those are the two most important numbers that you need to know. Customer acquisition cost. LTV. Life, LTV. Correct. Right, right. Because that then you can kind of budget based on that. Right. So at its infancy in the business, we didn't really know what the LTV was. Mm -hmm. Now I do. But back then, since it was so new, the cost per acquisition was $20. Mm -hmm. It was easy. Mm -hmm. And we kind of estimated based on land-based casinos, lifetime value I think was like $800 back then. Mm -hmm. So ours ended up being about $960. Sure. Okay. To acquire a customer for 20 that's going to be worth 960 it gives you a lot of room to make mistakes. And I made tons of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the mistakes and learnings that you could – so let's just say if – you were to consult with us today or you brought somebody in that's an entrepreneur or founder tech or non-tech but let's say they had a business and you've kind of started evaluating looking under the hood what are some of those learnings that you would kind of put forth to help better understand their marketing framework and what would you deploy what are some of the initial things that that you would always recommend when it comes to marketing to yeah, well, build a brand the first thing i'm a big proponent of a b testing Okay. Right. And that is understand. That's how you get to the psychology of what's going to get people to respond mm -hmm. to your ad in the first yeah, place. Right. We also talked about building a community. Again, it's a different time now. Yes. And I would think about things that are more 
apt to today's world than sure. it was back in 98. Yeah. So fast forward to today, the first thing I would talk to somebody about is, depending on their business, is building a personal brand. Right. Right? Yeah. Building their own brand yeah. in and of itself right. will bring in users to your business. Because that brand has legs, because you have legs. Correct. Um, but then the attribution of where your traffic is coming from, where the conversions are coming from, and where the actual paying customers are coming from, the ones that are keeping the lights on. Mm. So then you focus on- Getting them to on, think about all that. Yes, right. okay. Then, yeah. you get, then you get to think about re-engaging with those customers that are still active with you, and then try to reactivate customers that may have fallen off with you. Right? Okay. But I, I know that's a lot to unpack. Yeah, and we're gonna unpack it because okay. you're a marketing expert. So I'm gonna take it back. You are, you say so much in one sentence that I gotta bring it back and just kind of nail in on a couple of things. You talked about activation and reactivation. I think that's an important, it's such a, it's very missed, even pre-customer, right? Activating and reactivating leads mm -hmm. via community, other aspects, and then also for customers. Dig in a little bit into what you mean by activating, reactivating, and what are some of the marketing engagement strategies that you think could work in those in those aspects where we wanna activate customers' leads. What should founders or marketing leaders at these companies be thinking about? And most of the people that probably watch this is founder-led everything, yeah. right? They're still kind of scaling out. They may have raised some money, but it's still very, very founder-led. So what would you recommend in those cases, especially when we're thinking about current current leads and then furthermore into customers? Yeah. Uh, the, the first thing I think is the retargeting that many companies do works. It's effective. Yeah. Not enough people are doing it. Yeah. I mean, some of the guys, when you see the coaching programs and mm -hmm. things like that, they're doing massive retargeting. Mm -hmm. So retargeting, for those who don't know, means you engage with an ad or you see an ad and you stop at it on your scrolling feed. Yeah. And then you go to another platform or you see, somewhere, see it somewhere else, you see it again and again. Mm -hmm. That's retargeting. Yeah. That's important. Um, because the average person needs to see something six, seven, sometimes eight times before they actually engage. Right. It Good also point. helps build the credibility of making you seem bigger than you are, mm -hmm. right? Right. If you're a smaller operator in whatever market that you're in, mm -hmm. if you start to appear on people's feeds, mm -hmm. and it, even though it's Facebook and people you think most, for the most part are just scrolling through Facebook for pictures of their family right, and their friends, right, right, right. the ads are effective. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right? Yeah, you talk about building your brand in that sense too. Creating that content as well is a way of targeting and retargeting as well because you have to put yourself out there, whoever you are as a founder, especially if you're a tech company or something like that, being the founder, you want people to connect with you, right? Yep. And that's a part of this, this kind of targeting and retargeting mechanism that you talk about, right? Yeah. People do business with people, generally speaking, not sure. necessarily with brands. People can become brands. Steve Jobs did a fantastic job of making Apple a brand, mm -hmm. right? Uh, he went through some tough times in the early going on. But the point is, is that people identify with him and then... Apple. Now it's obviously Apple in and of itself as a, a behemoth as far as a brand. Yeah, goes. but they talk about him as like an icon in that. And I mean, he already took an existing company and he was definitely pivotal in that company. But it was it, he, he was a pivotal presence, but it was already something that was that was moving on. So when you're talking about 
targeting customers and retargeting customers. Let's talk about marketing a little bit to, uh, to your customers. How did you tie your, or how did you tie your marketing in with the affiliate part of all of that? Great Cause point. that you're, you're, yeah. you're kind of a master affiliator. And I think affiliate channel and community can all be kind of bulked into one. So tell me about your experience with that, some recommendations and yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'll re rewind to actual experience yes. in the casino. Yes. Again, the uh, the platform from Cryptologic didn't have anything, so we built our own. Okay. Called Focal Click, which I sold along with the casino and the poker room. Wow. Um, okay. But basically, what it did was exactly that. It would allow you, as a website operator, to take one of the banners that was on our site. This is you know the regular old four sixty eight by sixty back banners. In the day, yeah. 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 And it would link with a special link from your site to our site. Mm -hmm. And if someone converted into a customer, you would get a commission. Mm. Anywhere from 25 to 35% sure. of the lifetime value of that customer, okay. which is huge. So we That's had... It's absolutely insane. Yeah. We had affiliates that were making more money from the customers that they were sending us than we were mm -hmm. because they were they didn't have any overhead operating expenses. Absolutely. Right? You know, our, our margins shrank from probably 65% in the early days down to 35% just from marketing. It's in order to stay competitive. It was a, a tough ask, mm -hmm. but we built the platform up to 5,500 affiliates, 5,500 affiliates. Yes. And was that your primary mode of mark? Is that was your main marketing mechanism at that point, right? Only for the affiliate side, but we still did campaigns where we would advertise again on Lycos and okay. Uh, so your general awareness campaigns, but, actual users are primarily brought in through the affiliates combination of oh was both. it okay yeah okay. because the way it works is and, and here's a that's a good point you bring up paul because in all honesty i think a lot of people have a misnomer about the affiliate program that yeah. you could rely on that in and of itself mm -hmm. but if your brand is not big enough to sustain it mm -hmm. people good affiliates aren't going to promote you that's so, the thing right yes right yes. yes unless you're in such a unique niche yeah that you're the only one out there, which is a very rare thing. Mm -hmm. It's going to be tough for an affiliate to say, all right, I already make $400 from a click that goes from me to him that turns into a customer. Mm -hmm. If you can't offer me that, I'm not going to put you at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. Right? Because these affiliates are promoting other things potentially Absolutely. as well. Yeah, okay, continue. They're, yeah. They're, so most of them are doing like top 10 online casinos in this case, right, or, or poker rooms. Mm -hmm. And it would be the big dogs. It would be the poker stars and the full tilts of the world mm -hmm. that are paying the highest commissions because they make the most money. Yeah, yeah, right, okay. So of the 5,500, realistically 600 were doing anything worth the shit, right? I mean... Okay, let's, so let, let's look at that. That's probably... 12%, 12, 15%. 12, 12, 15%. Right. You got 5,500 knowing it's probably going to be that. And they were doing the majority of it, right? Yeah. As you speak about how that's distributed and how they performed, please do mention how you kept them engaged and activated. Ha, that's a good point. Because that yeah. right there is the missing piece on, we talked about this off cam, channel and affiliate. Yep. Big brand is important. You know, if, if Lulu drops an affiliate program, you best believe they're moving on. But if, you know, Pivotal Founders known in basically, you know, one speck in South Florida for now. Yeah. Drops an affiliate We're going to change that. We're, we're, we're changing that. We're working together to change that. Then 
we got to activate them somehow. We've got to kind of elevate the importance of it and, and whatever. So talk, tell me about that because I'm going to learn from okay. that myself. You're learn. Yes. It's one yes. word. One word I'll give you. It's called gamification. Ah. Uh, so we gamified the affiliate program the same way we would engage with customers through the rewards program. Mm. So we built the rewards program, right, called Peak Rewards, because Peak Entertainment was the name of the company, the parent company of Omni Casino and Sun Poker. Okay. And at the time, well, when we were finished, we had five brands. And we would be able to, so it's kind of like uh, casino, let's say Caesars has uh, Caesars Rewards. It used to yeah. be Total Rewards, now it's Caesars Rewards. Yes. And that rewards customers based on certain levels that they get to. Sure. Same principle. We did the same thing. So human psychology is people want to achieve. They want to achieve more than their neighbors, you know, whatever. You know, they right, want to be right, better than right. the Joneses. Interesting, okay. So what we did was we created leaderboards for the affiliate program to get them to compete amongst themselves mm. to be the top tier. So we knew that if an affiliate was driving, let's say, 100 new customers a month, mm -hmm. that has a value to us because we know what the lifetime value is for those customers. Of course. We would up the ante and get them to kind of jockey for position. So towards the end of the month, they're putting us in better pro placements, sending out more email campaigns, and promoting to get to number one exactly now, but but the payouts this wasn't a monetary thing yes yeah. was yeah, there yeah. extra <laughs> money to be at the top of the absolutely. leaderboard too okay absolutely i was gonna say because if they're doing it just to be number one i mean i probably would just because i want to be number one but adding a little monetary layer to that of yes. being top of top dog top affiliate or top three whatever it is top that's three top ten top ten yeah mm -hmm. right yep. that makes a lot of sense okay so that was effective that was definitely effective gamification yep. of and I think that could go for customers as well in a way where there's a customer leaderboard, right? Think yeah. about SaaS companies that have many users Absolutely. that could be a play, right? Uh, thinking about gamification, you know, we hear about these things all the time, but to see it actually deployed, it's very rare. It's very unique. It's really easy to talk about, but it's it's actually hard to do because you got to build, you built it. Yeah. And at your when you were doing it, didn't even exist, Correct. right? Wow. Now there's so many platforms out that that'll do it for you, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I listen, I read the Hustle every day. The Hustle is a, yes. a great newsletter. Newsletter, yep. At mm -hmm. the bottom, they have a little thing that says you've referred zero people. You're the one reward, a, one away from X, right? A free podcast, yes, a free yes, download of something, right, right? Right. So that's again gamifying the ability to share it. And that's just one more little notch in the belt of them being able to share your content mm. and you benefiting from it. Yeah, so in your world, bu building an affiliate program is very important because there are, I think, two types of affiliates, right? There's professional affiliates yep. who all they do is work this, and they're the hardest to get. They're great. Yep. Today we call them influencers because the purpose of the influencer is essentially they have a following and they influence that following and when they plug pro products yeah that's the old that's the new school affiliate in my opinion is the influencer sort of there's a difference there, and, we'll there's, well, and I want to hear that difference and then there are the non-professional affiliates or aka your customers because your customers can also be affiliates and they're great affiliates yep when you don't have the ability to build an affiliate program like you have, would you say maybe going to your customers or going to your network 
what would be your step into saying, okay, I'm going to build, I'm going to commit to building a, an affiliate program that can help with the network effect, get more usage. Mm -hmm. What would be your step into that? If you were to, to do this today? Uh, so th there's there's plenty of platforms out there right now. If you want to build something in house, there's again tools that you could do it with open source. Okay. But there's so many SaaS platforms out there now that you can leverage to build your affiliate platform. Right. Right. So let's just say Post Affiliate Pro is one that's easy to work with on PHP. There's a bunch of one. Intelix. You know, there's a, there's a tons of them. But right. you, whatever you do is you just need to understand what their specialty is. Okay. So if their specialty is product-based affiliate marketing, mm -hmm. or if it's service-based affiliate marketing, that's there's a difference there. Obviously. Mm. So okay, right, right. You, you you would do your own research, due diligence, mm -hmm. find out what your potential customers would be most likely to respond to. Okay. Right. Right. And then you just get started. Get it. Get it. Get the start ball reaching rolling. out. Start telling people, yeah. "Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my." And would you say going? to because you built a 5500 that's a huge for that time too that's something how did you build that did you focus on a program you reached out to people what is it mailers at the time banner we there was a banner banner actually advertised the affiliate program ah. to affiliates in the space okay gotcha so gotcha basically we would look at people's traffic and there i can't think that's you know think howard would know this back then mm. I, I i don't remember i mean right again so, uh, and I don't want to jump all over the place, but back to Emith Revisited, he talks about working in your business and working on your business. Of course. I yes. started working on my business when Howard was working in the business doing the technical stuff that was beyond my scope. Right. So sometimes I think people take on too much. Yeah. Internally. For sure. Right? For sure. You have to hire the right people. There's so many f good freelancers delegation. out there now. Yes, yeah. delegation, Delegate, five yeah. or this, that, the other yeah. thing. And jumping all over the place is highly recommended because that's how the free flow off the cuff yeah. of this podcast. I, this is what I love is just nuggets because yeah. I think we're, we're surfacing a ton of nuggets for people. And right now when we talk to our customers, when you consult or when I consult, we're hearing everybody going customer acquisition, revenue, revenue, revenue. Yeah. And you're saying work on your business. So if you're going to go after and build out a program, why not go after and build out an affiliate program, a yep. channel program where with you engage with one person and activate them, then they can go back and bring you nine, 10, 20 X your CAC of acquiring them. Yep. Whereas if you go direct to customer, you're now competing with every other bigger company that's going direct to customer. Correct. So the affiliate really is your path because it's a smaller pool, but their impact is multiplied by the nature of who they are. Correct. So nowadays, compared to back when I did it in the, in the late 90s, mm. is there's so many more data points that you can see who's driving what traffic where. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, similar web and uh, Ahrefs, there's tons of them that can tell you who's driving traffic where. Right. And then, you know, your type of demographic Right. So you're going to reach out to the people who are driving traffic in that space. Mm -hmm. And this dovetails also into your idea of the influencer. Mm -hmm. So you have influencers now, let's say on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, you know, TikTok, that have followers. Yes. Most of those that you mentioned are doing either product placement or one offs. Yep. It's hard to get an affiliate out of a TikToker 
because they don't seek, think long, long term. At least from my experience okay, at the moment. Okay, gotcha, because gotcha. One of the businesses, I, I have another, a couple of businesses that are kind of like portfolio companies that other guys run for me. One of them is we built an affiliate platform in the casino gaming space. Right. I got licensed in 17 states for mm -hmm. casino and sports betting. Mm -hmm. And we built a platform that allows people who don't want to go through the hassle of getting licensed to be able to use our platform, send the traffic to us, we in turn repackage it, send it to Caesars, BetMGM, DraftKings. Right. They pay us, we pay them. Got it. Uh, but some of the types of influencers that we found that are working the best mm -hmm. are guys that are on, let's say, Discord. They have followers. They have 20,000 people that are in their Discord server. They have a community. Yeah, exactly, right. like you said. So they can talk to their community and if they're smart enough to see the long-term potential of getting an additional revenue stream rather than just a one-off product placement, yep, there is upside in that in aligning those two brands. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the key. But getting back to your point about 5,500 affiliates and how we got them was straight up just advertising. Right. We go Focusing to, on that. Yeah. So there's there's uh, nowadays you have uh, Affiliate Summit East, Affiliate Summit West, there's uh, probably six or seven major affiliate conferences around the country, and I'm sure there's even more digitally mm -hmm. that these people hang out at. This is a major revenue generation strategy because your approach seems, because the way that I see it is your approach now is let's look at how we can build community in your within within your customers or even leads and then let's activate those people as affiliates to scratch that potential entrepreneurial um, itch that everybody sort of has. I think mm -hmm. that I think that even stepping into business as an affiliate can teach you a ton. Absolutely. And looking for affiliate programs. I mean, I'm doing deals with uh, I'm reaching out to CEOs right now of softwares that we use. And I'm doing deals with them, custom coupon codes and things like that for an affiliate play, because if I'm talking about their tools and I'm integrating that into, you know, what I'm recommending to yeah. my community, which I test and use myself. That's so funny you say that. Why? Tell me why. <laughs> because one of the guys that works for me in one of my in the the worldly better yeah. uh, platform, he has a platform called uh, DigitalHunter.net. Okay. And he does ridiculous reviews. I mean, he goes through pages and pages. He actually downloads every single thing, yes. goes through every single one. I mean, he's not even done. He's got 96, so uh, and he's, he's probably done just a handful so far. But he needed some help, so I, I went in partners with him. Yeah. So I took a 50% stake in the company. Sure. And... That's exactly what we do. But I add, so he was doing it just technical stuff. Mm. Digital Hunter. So it's like AI stuff, how to start a business, how to um, grow your business, and all the technical aspects of it. I added the wellness part. Okay, gotcha. Right? Mm -hmm. Of how to think about things in a, in a different manner. Mm -hmm. how, from a physical, eating right. Yeah. Right? So one of the, the things I use is called Factor 75. Now they just call it Factor. Yeah, I remember that. It was a food, a food, food delivery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. So they, I think they were out of Illinois. They have an affiliate program. Mm. We signed up for it. But here's a better way to do it. You go to like Commission Junction, Link Share, Share a Sale, Pepper Jam, all these companies, and they have networks already built up right. with these in there. Right. 
and then you just sign up for their affiliate program. You get the affiliate link, and we put it on the site, and that's it. That's it. Yeah. And so now, you're ta- now we're looking at affiliate too as a revenue stream in itself yeah. mm-hmm. for the person or business owner or whoever. Right. Things that you're commonly working with or using, there needs to be the awareness. Everything could be a channel. Yes. And that's why they call it a channel play, I think. And the affiliate is, if I'm affiliated with you, I'll receive some compensation. And I mean, look at the world of content. Isn't that how everything works? Anybody that's promoting or talking about you know, sponsorships, any products, this is all happening in front of our eyes. Yep. It's under a veil. It's, it's done and packaged quite nicely, but there are professional you know, affiliate marketers. But as an entrepreneur, you can build your business completely on leveraging affish, uh, affiliate and channel partnerships, right? Absolutely. Is, is, so does that, is that something that you see um, is within your businesses and the ones that you run? Is that a focus for you um, as, as a main source of, of, of revenue, initial yeah. revenue and, yeah. and activation? Well, that's why when we started in the casino affiliate business, yeah. Right. It's a, it's a bigger barrier to entry there because you have to get licensed in each individual state. Right. So I had to send in fingerprints. The last five years of tax returns mm-hmm. have to go through a, an FBI background check in each individual state. It's a hassle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that creates a barrier to entry. Right. A lot of people are I'm not going to be bothered. Right. A guy mm-hmm. that's got a discord channel. He's not going to deal with the rigmarole of what it needs yes, to do. Yes, he wants it to be easy. Right. So okay. we built the platform that we act as just the intermediary. Mm-hmm. We do our own marketing, yeah. right? So we keep 100% of the revenue that right, comes in. Right. But these CPAs are ridiculous. I'm, I got Caesars is paying us $500 for a casino customer. Wow, just to channel people into Caesars to, yeah. through, your, through your platform. Yeah. So if, if, if a founder, so let's look at, so you, let's just say we have, we, we have both tech founders, we have a lot of wellness founders that watch this, a lot of consultants, um, you know, folks that still do sell their time, but also sell outcomes and results. Right. Thinking back through your experience of professional, not professional affiliates and how you work with them and activated them, what would be some of the initial things that they should think about when starting an affiliate program? And how do they, how can they make it easy to get affiliates actually sharing and and referring uh, new customers to them? How do you activate someone? Because these affi- some of these affiliates don't even know that they could be affiliates or partners. Right. Did you do anything back then to help encourage people that may not have otherwise done it? Do you, do you any strategies there that you would you would recommend? Yeah, so the, the first thing that we did back then, and I'm sure it's, it's a little bit different now, but forums. Right. So yeah. two plus two was a forum that was just talking about poker. That was it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there was um, pocket fives, another forum talking about just poker. Right. There was pokernews.com that just all they report on poker. So these guys already have traffic and eyeballs that relate to my target demographic. Right. And I want them to now promote our platform. Mm-hmm. So we do a deal with them. Got it. So it's the same thing. If you think about now, it's sort of like a lead gen type of play. Right. Where, yes. yeah. you know, I'm sure, let's say you're a local dentist. Yeah. Just here. And you want to get in front of someone who's looking for dental work. There's got to be some sort of community somewhere, and we talk about this word community, yeah. of people that are looking for or having experiences with dentists in your area. Sure. 
And there's also a community of dentists that don't do the particular things that you do. Yes. And I, a couple things here, LinkedIn, it's a great source for these groups. There's Mm -hmm. tons of LinkedIn groups. Yep. There's a ton of Facebook groups. You mentioned discord. Yeah. They could find these anywhere. Yeah. But let's just take a step back. The framing. So you're, this is a great recommendation. You're looking up other places where your potential customers are already interacting and leveraging that and simply offering an avenue, right, exactly. for them to engage, to maybe make money or to interact with this yep. with this piece. Definitely. And that's the step in into that channel play. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a really interesting uh, framing because I think most people look at it direct customer acquisition rather than, than the affiliate in the channel. Yeah. Think of it as almost like wholesale marketing. Right. Right. You, you're, you're out there in the farm producing, you know, fruit, grain, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You could sell it one by one on the side of the road or you could sell it to a Whole Foods or whatever. You know, that's obviously the, the idea yeah. of an affiliate marketing type of thing. Think of it as a wholesale channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When do you, not when, but why could these affiliate programs fail? Do, do they typically fail for specific reasons in your experience? What are some of the things to look out for? What are the things, what are some pitfalls potentially? Great Anything question. there that yeah, you can surface question. for people? It's the same reason that most businesses fail. Yeah. Right? It's from, generally it's the biggest reason that people fail in a business is lack of funding, right? Sure. They don't, they don't realize how much it takes to get over the hump to create the kind of momentum that it's going to take to keep the business sustained, mm-hmm. right? So lack of funding is the first thing, and it's the same type of thing in, in affiliate marketing. Mm-hmm. People don't put enough money and effort towards it. They think if you build it, they will come. It doesn't work that way, mm-hmm. right? So let's think about I have a product or a service mm-hmm. that I want people to rec- recommend, Yeah. right? Yeah. How am I going to do that? I have to be able to first prove that I can pay them. Right. Right. But I need to incentivize them. Sure. You need to incentivize the affiliate to think what's in it for me. Right. Everybody's asking what's in it for me. Even if they're a customer, they're always saying, okay, what's in it for me? What can be my benefit to this? Right. Yeah. Of course. So an affiliate says the same thing, you know, and, and again, I can only go back to my personal experience where we've asked affiliates in the poker world, put us in the number one spot for this month, you know, because we're doing a special promotion mm-hmm. and they would say, well, it's going to cost you an extra $5,000. Right. Why? He goes, because I know that poker stars are willing to pay for it. Mm. So, you know, sometimes, like I was telling you when we were on Lycos, we were on the homepage of Lycos and initially it was 10 cents a click, which was great. And we did probably like uh, seven or $8,000 in business the first two days but then it, it shit the bed. Mm. I mean, they were just, they were faking clicks. Oh. Ridiculous. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so you got to be very careful with how that CPC stuff works. Right, right, right. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you need to be very selective. You need to be aware of the traffic that is coming in. Yeah. Right? Nowadays, right. it's a little easier to, to track. To that see sort things. Of, yeah, yeah. But you got to put the effort behind it, like you said. Otherwise... Yeah. You can't just build it and they will come. There has to be an effort, yeah. whether you're doing cold outreach or whatever it is, yeah. and, and what that structure is. And a specialist. I, I would definitely say, like, if uh, someone's okay. going to come into Google Ads and want to mm-hmm. do Google Ads on their own, 
you need to find someone who's highly recommended, mm-hmm. and you got to make sure the recommendations are real. Right. They're not right. generated by AI. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Which is an art in and of itself to recognize fake reviews. Yeah, yeah. You Bringing know. in an expert. You know, it's funny. I would say if you're thinking about hiring somebody in marketing, you're better off bringing in somebody that is an affiliate expert because that would be somebody that can then help build out the program yep. and will likely be more open to being incentivized by the results Yes. rather than taking a heavy, say, base salary. So it's almost, that's a, an easier way to delegate yeah. uh, marketing or a marketing avenue to somebody and get a marketing person in, right? Yeah, it's called pay for performance. Yeah, right? right. So now it's becoming pretty popular that people, marketing agencies are doing now performance-based marketing. Sure, right? right. So in the affiliate space, and I think we talked before we hit the record button, mm-hmm. I have an affiliate client, uh, and a client that wants me to run their affiliate program for them. Mm-hmm. And instead of charging them my normal fee, you know, which is pretty extensive, um, I gave them a reduced fee and I say, I'll take 10% of the upside that we can particularly attribute to my specific F channel. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So I've got people, I mean, I'm not going to be the one running the ads to uh, attract the affiliates and stuff like that, but I have people that are going to do that for me that I've worked with on numerous other, uh, projects. Mm-hmm. So it's a hands-off type of thing. They don't need to think about it. They're running their core business. They don't need to think, oh, I need to be worried about paying my affiliates mm-hmm. or engaging with my affiliates. Mm-hmm. You're just worrying on the end, you know, just work on the end customers. We'll take care of the affiliate platform for you. Right. So let's take a step back with that and really dig in because what you described here is a business in itself. Yeah, you're right. The affiliate path is a very successful, lucrative lifestyle business that could be a path to many people that are looking to step into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right? Because if they're passionate about a specific thing, you did it at a much higher level because now you're, you know how to build these programs. You're going to invest the time and money to get that affiliate ramped up because you already know that once you do, the ROI is there. Yeah. You have that predictability, but for other folks that don't, they might be a little skeptical. They might not want to do that. So at least stepping into affiliate as a business is sort of finding out what companies or what programs I'm really passionate about, preferably locally, and then working with them to figure out a revenue share, a pay for performance, where if I could help you promote your brand, or promote your business and you get a customer, I can have a piece of that customer. Isn't that a business in itself, if you yes. will? Yes, it's funny you say that because, so I started a business with my daughter when she graduated from business school called Complinks. Okay. Right, and we, so when she graduated from business school, we looked to acquire a company in New York. It was called Long Island Loyalty. Mm. And basically what it was is like a coalition loyalty program where they had a stored value card and it was localized. Oh, nice. So if you were in, let's say, Massapequa, just a little town in Long Island, and you go into a restaurant or a yeah. pizza place and you buy something and you have this card, they'll take 10% of whatever you spend and they'll store it on this card. Then you can go to the florist in town and you can burn off the 10% that you just earned, right? The $3 mm-hmm. or $5, $10. Mm-hmm. And then they would settle it behind the scenes. So we tried to acquire the company. We wanted to take it digital. Um they just we couldn't come to terms so we ended up building our own platform Mm -hmm. and we built a platform 
it's not new, but if you know what Ebates is, yeah, which is now Rakuten, you, you buy yeah, something Rakuten, yeah. and then you, you earn these points. So we built a platform, a white label platform that does exactly that. Oh, interesting. But okay. where I was going with that was that in building in and of itself, just the, the platform, mm. that was the easy part. Selling the people on this new idea, the biggest problem was people didn't really understand it. They thought it was on the burn side, that mm. not the earn, like I can earn points, but only on the burn side. And it, it was just difficult to get people to really understand it. And funny enough, I, I was listening to a podcast. I think, I can't remember the name of it. The guy's name was Logan Lyles. I remember mm. his name. Okay. And he said the best way to get customers on a B2B side is to start a podcast. Oh, yeah. So I did. Oh, that's then that's, that's your how podcast. I got the loyalty, you know, the the, the loyalty minute. Yes, that that's that how we built it. It is. Tell me about that podcast a little bit. So the idea was originally spawned from I was going to just spew out little one minute vignettes every day uh, on marketing. What's the latest trends? Mm, people, what's happening? Okay. And I did that, and I, I released it on Amazon Alexa. So okay. if you say you know business marketing, will will show up the first one. Then I started doing interviews. And now I just finished That's episode 119, 119 last week. Yeah. I, is it a, it's audio only? Audio only. Okay. Cool. I, actually, 119 was the first one we did with video. No kidding. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So it should be ready, I think the editor say, by the by the end of next week. Yes. He was on vacation, but I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Right. <laughs> but, but the idea is, like you said, creating a community. Yeah. Right? And now I position myself as an expert in the loyalty space because I built that loyalty program peak entertainment yes. uh, peak, peak rewards back in 1999 mm -hmm. from scratch so i understand the psychology of a of a person who's going to come into a program like that mm -hmm. and, and try to earn points and level up in the whole gamification thing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so to dovetail that back to what you were saying most recently is doing something like that local is the reason i'm here yeah i came to your event because yeah. I, I love the idea of getting together one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. I'm course. old school face-to-face. -face. Yeah, absolutely. Zoom is great, but there's nothing better than pressing the flesh. Yeah, lo localized. Yeah. And when you interview people for the loyalty podcast, are they other experts in the field, owners of other loyalty programs and companies? Yeah. Yes. Generally speaking, it's um, CEOs, CMOs, uh, and marketing directors of companies of – Decent size. I mean, you know, so we did Choice Hotels and we had the CEO of Firehouse Subs. Okay, cool. But the conversation goes anywhere. Like with, with yeah. uh, Dan Fox from Firehouse Subs, uh, which I think just got acquired by RBI, uh, Restaurant Brands International. We talked about World War One, World War Two. We were just talking just about. Just goes wherever, yeah, right. So yeah. it's not focused around marketing or right, no, loyalty, no. right. Okay. It dovetailed around loyalty back to. Uh, so he has a book. He wrote a book okay. about World War One. Oh, and that's where it went. That's okay. where and World War Two. Uh, I think we so uh, this is two years ago. I don't quite remember, but right. uh, it was interesting at the time in the sense that you know, again, it wasn't specific business related, mm -hmm. but it was just entertaining that people I think got a kick out of. So when you started this originally, and you say you know, and I know Gary V says a lot about interviewing your future customers yeah. and doing podcasts with some exactly. of your potential customers. Um, you started this to potentially work with these people. Yeah. Is that, was that the, the plan 
maybe that opened the door, you get to know one another, and then that could lead to something. Correct. Like that. Right. Correct. So I got recommendations from them to other people that felt they would be good to be on the podcast mm. as well. That would also temporarily or potentially dovetail into the loyalty platform that we built. Mm -hmm. And with the loyalty platform still going strong, tell me your thoughts on what it takes to generate that loyalty. What's your, what are some of the fundamentals mm. that we're putting in place now for founders is how do I get that loyalty? Because I'm getting inundated. I'm using a piece of software. I'm getting inundated with competitors. Yep. And all I'm looking for is the pricing page. You know, yes. if you're cheaper, I'm gone kind yeah. of deal for the most part. But there are some, and I haven't really identified what keeps me sticking, but you're the expert. So if you, what are some of the recommendations you can make building a loyalty program? What does it take to have a good one? How do you build one? And what are the important pieces you're looking for to gain loyalty? I'm going to answer that question with a question. What's a brand that you're loyal to? Think about a brand, not necessarily a commodity type of brand, but it sure. could be a massive brand. But why, why are you loyal to a brand? Yeah. Think of a story that you can possibly think of it. This is the reason that I'm loyal to a brand. Let me tell you a quick story okay. while you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. American Express. Mm-hmm. I had a house built in New York a long time ago, got a pool put in. The guy that put the pool in came the following year and said, I said, I'm going to pay you to open the pool. How much? He said, $1,300. I'm like, that seems like a lot, right? Just to take the diving board, put it on and the, and the slide and take the cover off. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he takes the cover off and the pool is pea green. It was one of those stretchy covers and uh, the I sun see. gets through it yep, or whatever. Yep, yep. So he's there for two weeks. He's trying to clean this thing up. It's not getting clean. So I'm like, all right, dude, listen, there's no way I'm paying you $1,300 for this. I said, I'll give you $350, which is what you normally would pay for opening the pool. Mm -hmm. And he flipped the, uh, you know, he was going nuts. I said, listen, this is all I'm willing to pay. I called American Express. I said, listen, I'm not paying the $1,375 or whatever it was. I said, I'll pay $375 or $350. That's it. They were, we were such a good customer with them and we still are. Mm -hmm. They cut, and he must have been as well because they paid the difference. Oh, wow. American Express covered the balance to pay him because he must have been a wow. good vendor. Wow. They sent us flowers the next day apologizing for the they whole thing. They sent you flowers? Swear to God. <laughs> Get out. I've been a customer, a loyal fan of American Express ever since. And now it's it's over. Like that one moment, that one thing. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So how do we bring that to the other entrepreneurs, the other founders? How do Experience. we service that for them? So it's, it's a, in my opinion, brand I mean, brand loyalty is through experience with the brand. Yeah. The reason that I'm loyal to Apple is because it's a trillion-dollar company that I can get someone on the phone and get my answers that I need to get on with my day. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, Southwest, I know what to expect every single time I book it. They're not charging me extra for my bags. Yeah. You know, I get on the plane, and I, I know what to expect. It's a smooth, easy experience. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of other brands, but just like that, that I think about what does an entrepreneur who has a business, he's attracting customers, but if they're leaving, he's not providing something for them. He's yes. not adding more value to them than somebody else with a cheaper price. Mm -hmm. People should and will stay with you 
right? You can get a computer to do the same thing that a Mac can do. Mm-hmm. A Mac's going to be twice as expensive as a PC, if not more. Right. I don't even know. But I would never go back to a PC. Right. The ease of use, the experience overall the experience. With, a, with a map, mm-hmm. a Mac is just light years. I yeah. get, I, I get physically uh, ang- angst when I have to go into a PC. I, I know. These days, yeah. they've made it so easy to navigate and everything that yeah. when you do, and it's funny, my brother, he uh, he's a PC guy and I'm a Mac guy. And, you know, whenever he gets on my computer when I'm visiting him, he's like, what is this? And he's Russian. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get on his computer and I'm like, how do you navigate any of this? I don't know where anything is. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're right. I think people aren't thinking enough about the experience that they're going to have. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking about this yesterday. And But I want to ask you, when do you think in the process of customer acquisition, sh- does the loyalty game begin? Does it begin right at the point that they're experiencing your product? Because you run a loyalty company, when are people starting to think about loyalty? Is it too early? Is it too late? What? When should you start to think about this? And when does that experience begin? Because it's time and resource to think through that experience and getting them hooked in. Yeah. So the best thing to do and what I tell clients to do is map a customer journey from yeah. not knowing to the ideal customer's experience. Yeah. And what does that look like? Yeah. Right? So if you think about it on one of those little diagrams that has a connection, right? Yeah, we'll yeah. start from the left and go over to the right, which is backwards if you're looking at this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's the first prospect yeah. that you're reaching out to them. You know, think about the casino industry, which did a fantastic job with the loyalty space of the cards that you're going to put in there to get these extra points. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They usually don't lead with that. They don't say, hey, you're, you're going to join, you're going to get these extra points. People don't really care at that mm-hmm. point. It's... You know, the immediate gratification of winning a jackpot, let's say. That's mm-hmm. what they're tying you in with. Mm-hmm. Then once you hit the front door and you're in, they're going to prompt you to sign up for a card because you're going to get all these free benefits. Sure. You're going to get free food. You're going to get... Now, again, they know their customer. They know their LTV. They know their cost for acquiring that customer. They can figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said when we let off the program about... Knowing your numbers, yeah, yeah, how hugely important that is. Yeah, of course. So if you know your numbers and you can create a customer journey to get them from here to here, yeah, the journey of the customer loyalty does start at the beginning. At the very beginning, yeah. But it might not be the lead. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It not, might not be the hook to get them in. Right. And and usually it's not, right? Usually it's going to be price. Yeah. For a commoditized business. At first. Right. It should, you shouldn't try to lead with price, obviously. You right. should try to lead with value. Value, right. Right? What are you going to get from it? What, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to come to you. Why? Mm-hmm. Compared to the 10 other guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but then why am I going to stay with you? Yeah, why stay? Why stay? Right. But yeah. you need to be thinking about that from the get-go. Yes. And then have it built into your plan that if they drop off, we can get them back with a potential carrot of a bonus for you or some sort of upsell on a free service to get you in the door that the freemium model sure became huge you know in in every aspect even in in apps Mm -hmm. right people were doing free downloads oh now it's everywhere Yeah. yeah but 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 then there's there's the loyalty component hey we understand and that's what i don't see anywhere is creating awareness for them that we understand that 
you can go anywhere else for this. But because you're going to stay with me, I want to let you know that I'm going to really reward you for your loyalty. Mm -hmm. And on top of just staying, like what software do you sign up for? And you say, hey, if you're a customer for six months, I'll give a month free to anyone in your family, right? Or a partner. You don't have any or very many incentives around retention anymore. Everything's trying to get you in the door right. from the very beginning, first month free, freemium, blah, 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 blah. But what if I'm already a customer six months in? <laughs> Why am I not getting an email saying, hey, thanks for being a customer for six months? Okay, let me tell you a story. I love telling stories. Tell me. So, you know, we're, I'm here in West Palm, we're out in Wellington. Yep. I've, I've got uh, Xfinity or had, and I see an ad, and I'm, I'm, my, my bill is $260 a month. And I'm like, I don't even watch TV. Right. Right? It's ridiculous. I haven't had cable in forever. Right. So, you know, I was one of those holdouts. So anyway, finally, it broke the camel's back. I see an ad, and it says, um, get the internet, right, for $25 a month, 500 megabytes up and down yep. for 25 a month. I'm paying 85 and I'm thinking, all right, I'm just going to get something in stream, forget regular TV, and, mm. I, and it would be way better off. Mm-hmm. I call the lady and I say, listen, I see this ad that you have here. It's, you know, $50 uh, or $25 a month for the first two years. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, yeah, uh, that's not available for you. I said, what do you mean? Why why would you advertise it to me? It came in one of those little postcards, a six by nine postcard. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's only for new customers. I'm like, yes, that's so ridiculous. Exactly. I'm like, well, if, if I don't get that deal, you're going to be not only not getting a new customer, you're going to be losing a customer. Yeah. She goes, I'm sorry, I, I can't do anything. So Unreal. I called AT&T. I got uh, AT&T Fiber in the house the next day. Yep. Called uh, Xfinity up and said, cancel my service. And I brought all that And now back. you'll recommend that to nobody. Yeah. Right? So now they've lost the customer, but they've also got an anti-hero, if you yeah. will, which will do the opposite of promote. Yeah. They've now gotten somebody that will draw more people away. Okay, here's another culprit that I can play a game with. It's called XM Radio. Okay. So I got XM in the car, and they give you the special 12-month deal, and it's $8.99. Yes, 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 right. And after that, it's going to go to $21 a month or $22 a month. So as soon as the expiration date comes comes around, I call them up and say, listen, you know, if you can't give me this deal, I'm leaving. I'll just yeah. turn it off and because I, I, I already have Apple Music. There's a and gazillion I, things. Yeah, yeah. I stream all that st- yeah. stuff to my car, and I'm listening to podcasts all the time anyway, like this one. Uh, but so the point is, is that they get it, but they have to send you through this other channel. They don't automatically give it to you, but if you call and say, well, I'm going to cancel my service. Okay. Hold on one second. Let us see what we could do to get you They back. got the cancellation line. And then the exactly. big companies, they have that. I mean, remember Comcast and yep. Xfinity. Let me, let me put you to the people that talk yeah. to people who are about to cancel yeah. so we can actually give you the price you should be getting. Right. So the loyalty there is. You know, it, it's kind of a catch-22 in, sure. the, in the sense that I get from a margin perspective, they're giving you a, a value deal to get you in the door. Sure. But then when you think of it as a commodity, like I do, because I already have uh, Amazon Music and I have YouTube Music and I stream, you know, Spotify or whatever, that it can come to my phone, I can Bluetooth to the car, mm-hmm. I don't need it to, to pay just another thing of, of $250 a year. You know, I could afford it, but that's not the point. The point is, is that if you're going to give it to them for $8, why wouldn't you give it to me for $8? That's I'm an right. existing customer. That's right. So. And if you're an existing customer that took the time to do that, there's other ways in there. So, like, I'll say somebody that would call in 
could say, well, what if we gave you the deal, but then you were going to get a survey and you're going to forward, you have to forward that or you have to share that or you have to do something that helps reduce your customer acquisition cost. Yeah. Right. Well. Nobody's thinking about the future of what that could do because you're just one person. They're a massive company. But I bet that kind of conversation happens hundreds of times yeah. a week. Right. Yeah. And loyalty's forgotten because I think that a lot of companies go, well, now we're a necessity, but they're not anymore. No. And XM, the faster these brands think that they're not a necessity, they're, they're going to start to really go, oh, how many customers are we really losing because we're not doing these things or even not maximizing turning them into loyal customers or even affiliates at that point, right? Yeah. Okay, share this on your social, will send it to us, send it to this email and we'll activate this promotion. Yeah. It's just these little things that I think could be done sure. to get people activated. Six months in, hey, we can reduce your monthly cost for said SaaS product if you simply share this with 10 people. Plug 10 people in here. We have to send it to them, validate that they're really, they don't have to buy. Right. And from that point, your bill will forever be $5 less yeah. for a SaaS product, right? We're talking about, and again, loyalty. Like, but then you go, wow, they've recognized that I'm loyal. Yeah. And I think that if you do that with each customer, especially early on, you will build a foundation of champions that will kind of build your business Absolutely. into the future. Um, before we uh, before we part, I do want to touch a little bit on something that you mentioned you were really passionate about, which is the mental, the mental part of entrepreneurship and just in general, the mentality, the growth mindset, the physical piece of it, working on yourself. Yeah. Could you take me through what you want to tell people about that, being a successful entrepreneur and through the, the tough stuff that you've gone through throughout your career, being at the right place at the right time, what are some things that, that people should be keeping in mind when going down their journey, whether they're a founder of a mature business or they're just starting out, especially during the earlier hard times? Yeah. What recommendations can you make? Uh, so the number one is the work-life balance. Right? Okay, yeah. I've been married for 35 happy years with my wife. I go play poker with the guys at the kennel club. And I, I hear these guys bitching and complaining about their wives, and I'm bragging oh, yeah. about my wife. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I love my wife to death. She is awesome, right? She's my best friend without question. Um, you know, and, and she gets me. I get her. Um, but the point is, is that, not everybody could have that. I get that. You know, life's difficult enough. But going back to when I started in the business and burning the midnight oil, when Howard and I would be in the office till three in the morning working on some new strategy or whatever the case may be, that's great. But at the same time, I got to remember, and everybody should remember, that those days that are going by as you're building your business, mm -hmm. you're missing out with the kids and you're missing mm -hmm. out on living life. Mm -hmm. So I was reading a book called uh, Die With Zero, mm -hmm. which is uh, an interesting book as well as, and Bill Perkins wrote the book, about 
not necessarily the dying with zero part, but living life now, mm. right? Living your life to the maximum now. Because I see people that are in their 70s that have worked their entire life. They retire. Oh, so here's a story, as, as terrible as it sounds, but my next door neighbor in New York yeah. worked until he was 60, maybe 61 years old, retired, a year later died. Wow. ALS. What a life. Right. Yikes. I mean, the guy worked out every single day. He was in great physical condition. It was just a freaky thing. Mm. So for not being able to kind of fully enjoy what life is, I think people are going to miss out on it, and that's the biggest problem. So I think part of it is, from a health perspective, I've been going to the gym for the last 35 years, mm-hmm. pretty religiously every single day, five days a week anyway. And I know we talked about this, and we're not going to commit to the 75 hard, no. but— because you didn't research it yet. I didn't research it yet. It could kill me. You were about old... to you were about to commit to something. And if uh, I held if, you to that. If you... I do commit to it, we're gonna do it. No, we're doing it. But I need you. I've already known because uh my business partner, Arturo, as he yeah. mentioned, he's already done. So he told me all the stories, all the nightmares. Yeah. And the benefits. Yeah. Uh, but you need to know those two. Yes. Okay. So I have to do my due diligence right, first good. before I commit to that. All right. But it would be fun to do, I think, when I say fun, I mean, it'd be, it would be fun to challenge it's myself. It's a good purpose. Yeah. You got to have purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So um, getting back to what I was saying, though, is from a mental standpoint, I started practicing TM, which is Transcendental Meditation. I've heard of the word. Yeah. Uh, I never knew what it was. know really what it is. So basically, it's kind of self-reflection for 20 minutes a day, twice a day. As, as soon as you wake up, okay. which seems kind of counterintuitive, you're just waking up and then you're meditating. It's kind of good. I think, it's a good right? time. It gets your body in in mind in the right state. Yeah. And then and then at the evening at five o'clock, I'll also do it. Okay. You know, for 20 That's minutes. Because what are you doing when you wake up? You're looking at your phone and you're yeah. just heart palpitations. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is the worst thing for me. I don't look yeah. at my phone at least 30 minutes. Yeah. So yes, okay. I, I started this maybe seven or eight years ago. Wow, yeah. that long. Yeah. Holy um, and again, prior to that, after understanding and reading The Psychology of Achievement, I've always had a positive mindset, always, to the degree that, because things just work out for me. Yeah. I'm one of those, I'm like Jerry Seinfeld. But that's because you have a positive mindset. Yeah. Because I think it's a choice. Yeah. Oh, right. It's def- yeah. You can choose. Oh, this is a bad thing. No, you just labeled it as such. Right. Things will happen. Yeah. The labels come from us. So if you've got the choice, even the shittiest thing, this is good because. It's a learning experience. It's a learning experience. Exactly. So label it appropriately, yep. and it's better for your mind. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. So uh, that plus eating healthy, right? You know, I've what always been an, an eat healthy type of guy. Uh, I have chronic high cholesterol um, no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I ate no cholesterol for a full two weeks, nothing with cholesterol in it. Got my blood. I donated blood. They texted it. It was still 248. Mm-hmm. So and I have to high, take. I yeah, it's very high. Very high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take a statin, which I'm trying not to, but I, I really have no choice. So mm-hmm. I do that. But again, I go to the gym five days a week. So the the mental wellness of putting yourself in the right mind frame, the mindset of success and thinking about the positive outcomes we talked about it yes. i don't know if we talked about it after i hit the record button about my uh my goals that i had written down yes and you actually them. didn't mention that that's yeah. right yeah oh no physically we did yeah. handwritten down yeah, we i still have yes, on a yes, piece yes. of paper and a pen mm. uh, and a paper uh and i think the importance of that can't be overstated because it puts it into your psycho- psychological mind and then things just kind of happen for you like 
you know, the the unconscious or the super conscious creativity is what it's called mm-hmm. when you're. Uh, and this is what Brian Tracy talked about in the Psychology of Achievement, which was the superconscious creativity, and that is self-reflection. So I used to go to this place called Hoyt's Farm in Comac, park my car, and just sit for 15, 20 minutes and just try to clear your mind. Okay. And this was way before TM. I mean, excuse me, let me rephrase. TM had been going on, but I didn't know about it. Right. And that was the precursor to what I then took on as TM. Uh, which is, again, it's simple. It's easy. And for 40 minutes out of a 24-hour day, it's not a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. you know. And then the other 1 24th of the day is an hour in the gym. So taking care of your body, your mind, uh, helps you live a longer, hopefully more well-balanced life. Yeah, no matter what. Yeah. You always have to have those principles, and I think that's where it all stems from because – you could you could burn the midnight oil all you want, but at the end of the day, you can only go as far as your mind and body will let you. Yeah. So if you want to get further, you have to bring it all back to that because otherwise it'll tear you apart. I, I've, I mean, it's happened to me. You know, I've lost yeah. tons of time because even if you think you're ahead, eventually you'll burn out and then you lose all that time you think you gained. Yeah. So like you said, it has there has to be a balance there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything before you depart thinking back from the first hundred dollar check that you were like, not chill, I'm going for it from that point to now, is there anything you want to leave folks with the founders, the entrepreneurs? What, what's your parting words for them? So it's, it's uh, well, so right now the position in my life, I want to be able to help people, by learning from the mistakes that I've made so they don't make the same mistakes because mm-hmm. they're costly, very costly. Yeah. And the value in that is that if they're not making those mistakes and they're positioning themselves for success, mm-hmm. that would float my boat. Amazing. So how could people find you, get in touch with you who are looking to potentially work with you, gain from your experience, chat with you about what's going on with them to see if there is some kind of synergy what, what should they do? LinkedIn is probably the best thing. Rob Gallo, just uh, look me up on LinkedIn. Okay. So I have um, a couple of several businesses, but uh, Peak Gaming Group is my gaming consultancy space. Sure. So I that's the niche that I'm really jazzed up about, yep. anything that's related to gaming, gambling, online, yes. or, or offline. Online casino, or, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but as we talked at your last conference here, I met some guys that weren't in the gaming space mm-hmm. that could definitely benefit from some of the things that are running around in my noodle. Absolutely. And I'd be more than happy to kind of work with people that are not necessarily gaming, yes. but from what I've learned over the last 25 years in one of the most competitive spaces from a marketing standpoint and advertising standpoint, I think would translate into any other industry. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so if you are interested, Rob Gallo, G-A-L-L-O on LinkedIn, connect. He'll connect back and we'll also put his info in the in the comments here or down below the video to get in touch with you, cool. um, email and everything else. Thank you, Rob, so very much. One thing I wanted to yeah, mention before please. we did wrap this up yeah. is the local aspect and the reason that I'm sitting here today mm-hmm. is because that's what really floats my boat. Right. And I know we spoke about it, yeah. about getting the people here. Maybe it's a pitch night. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Just to get them used to speaking in front of uh, a crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Get them to hone their skills of saying what they do within the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and so we should definitely collaborate on something like that. No, that'd be great. And, and local is key. I yeah. think no matter what, if you can get something going locally, it's it's going to. It is the stage that you need to, to really leapfrog and, and build your first champions. I think community, people like overlook that community, yeah. but not just virtual, but but local. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. So everybody, this has been episode one. Nice. <laughs> the first one with my dear friend, Rob Gallo, Growth to Greatness podcast. Hope you learned some nuggets. Uh, is the Instagram still on? Yeah, maybe not. I don't think so. Uh, I think they took it off. Okay. Um, We're good. So we'll we're wrap good. it. All right.